Let's do it one more time. Amen. Amen. All right. That was awkward, so we had to fix that. Guys, I, I want to share a message with you. and It's titled, it's weird because I don't really want to give you a title, but I guess I will. It's a weird title. It's called Bully Hits Weird, I know. It's called Bully Free Zone. Bully Free Zone. Bully Free Zone. Uh, I didn't have a title for this message, and as I was preparing it, I was like, Lord, what am I going to prepare? What am I going to title it? And, I, and, I, and I, God just put it in my heart. Tell the church it's time to be bully free. Bully free. And you're going to see where we're going as we get into this message. We're in week three of this series. In week one, what have we discussed? Let's, let's kind of just summarize here some of the stuff that we've discussed. In week one, we talked about a P word. What's the P word? It's a good word. Proclamation. Amen. Y'all were scared like, <laughs> what do we say? Proclamation. Amen. Can the church say that? Proclamation. Good word. Amen. And we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit because as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we are bold to what? To preach. Remember that? To proclaim. Number two. Whosoever's child that is crying, they will be okay. <laughs> Trust me, we have good teachers back there. Week number two, we talked about the what in the room. Y'all better wake up on me. Come on. The lion in the room. And what did I say? I said we're called to go out and to stand out. We are called in the image of Christ. And remember what I said? We're not to be like everyone else, like the chatter in the room. We're lions in the room. And if you're like, what did you preach? You got to go back to our podcast and hear it for yourself. I can't re-preach it today, amen? But now what I wanted to do was, as I'm getting ready to close off this series, next week is going to be a, a very... It's going to be a very special service next week, and you'll see why. But I don't want to give it away because I want you to come, but hold on. As I was preparing and, and, and getting, going through this series, I wanted to do this series and, and just catch me because I've seen that in the church and as a whole, and I've seen it even at our church here at New Life, being part of God's global body, global church, and you could probably agree with me that the church of Christ all, all over, international, it's become at times timid, right? It's become scared or, or like our, our, our title. It's become wimpy and, and scared, timid. Wimpy in what? Would you guys agree with me when I say wimpy in our approach to win the world for Jesus? I, I really do think that. How, how many agree with me? Okay, good. I, I got a little scared because like, how am I going to preach this then if you don't agree with me? But I, I really feel like even our lives at New Life, how at times we could be very timid in our approach to win people for Jesus. So, so when I say this thing about winning the world, I want to ask you a question as we get into part three. What is your world? What's our world? What is that phrase? Because you might be sitting here and you might be saying, Pastor Regal, this phrase to reach the world seems kind of impossible to me and for me. How many of you would agree? I, I'm like, I can't reach. I've never even been to Africa. I haven't been to Europe yet. How am I going to reach the world? It seems impossible. Be honest. Can we be honest today in church? How many of you does it seem impossible to reach the world for Jesus? Just you. The rest of you guys are awesome. I want to hang out with y'all. You guys are good. You guys are like, I could do it. Watch, Pastor. I could do it. Then you're at the right church. Well, here we go. What is our world? When we hear that phrase, we can't ignore it because it seems too big of a task because that's what some of us do. We sit in a church service. We say, God has called us to reach the world. And we're like, uh, yeah, it's just a phrase that pastors use and churches use, but I get what he's trying to say. And we kind of ignore it because it's too much of a task. It's too big for us. But as we look at that phrase of our world, there's a world around it. If you're taking notes, that's the perfect first note to write down. There is a world around me. Look at the person next to me and, and, and next to you. And if they do this, then say it. If they don't, be very careful. But look at that person next to you and say, you rock my world. Can you say that? Let's have some fun. Yeah. All right, back over here. Back over here. If you're a single man and you just said it to a single woman, thank you're welcome. <laughs> See, we hook up people here. And you're like, right, here we go. But what is our world? There is a world around you. And the person next to you is part of your world. And, and your world, that phrase, is, it's very important because for some of us, 
Our world is our kids, parents, amen? Our world is our spouses, our family, our co-workers, our classmates, if you're students, our friends, our, 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 our acquaintances around us. There's a world around us. And everyone that is part of our world, maybe it's not Africa, and maybe it's not Europe, and maybe it's not Canada and South America and Central America, and maybe God has not called you to travel the world for Jesus. But I know for a fact, if you sit here, God has called you in your own world for Jesus, and your own world is that family, friends, spouse, kids, co-workers, and acquaintances. Amen. You have a world to reach. And they should be approached with what? What should your world be approached with? Anyone want to give the answer? With the gospel. With the gospel. Deep in your life, out of your mouth. We, we, we read two weeks ago, Romans 1.16. And a fragment of that verse says what? The gospel of Christ, for it is what? It is the power of God. But I love this because the gospel of God, it is the power of God unto what? Unto salvation. It's the power of God to salvation. And I love the next part. For everyone who what? We can't make people believe, but we could definitely plant seeds to cause them to believe. Can I get an amen? Amen. And then it's very important that you recognize your world around you. And as you have a world around you, you're planting seeds like a farmer plants in his garden and waits for the trees and the plants to come up to produce fruit so that the harvest could come so that he could make money and the results are good. It's the same thing with you. You plant. You water. Because God's going to bring an increase. God is going to say, hey, farmer, for years you've been preaching to your kids. For years you've been praying for your spouse. For years you've been praying for your family. For years you've been witnessing to your acquaintances. Here's the harvest. Pick it up. Man, it took 10 years. Yeah, but I'm still good. I'm faithful. And I'm right on time. So, so there is a world around us. There is a gospel to share to the world around us. And the reason why that gospel is so important, it is because the gospel, it is the power of God to what church? Learn the Bible. To what, church? Good. To salvation. So now, my question to you is this. How are you approaching others? How are you approaching others with the gospel? What is your approach in approaching them? (laughs) Weird. We talked about this in week one. We said that this was a life and death matter. Remember? I don't know if you remember. But if you do, good. Life or death matter. And because it's a life or death matter, this should matter to us. What should matter to us? The world around us. We eat, we fellowship, we phone call people that if they die, they're going to hell. And that so matters to me and that so matters to God. And because of that, I have a world to reach with the gospel so that they could be saved. Amen. But here I go and here I get into my message. That's just the introduction. As we jump into our message, I... Start to recognize a believer's life. And I start to think about this, and I wrote this down. I said, why does everyone get to have a voice, and they get to share their own opinions, right? How many of you know someone like that? But when it comes to Christians, we're to remain silent. Because, because when we begin to voice what we feel is truth and is absolute and when we feel is godly and, and we feel is the word of God and we begin to voice it as our fact but yet they see it as our opinion, what are Christians called? We're called too judgmental. huh? We're called homophobic, homophobic single-minded, deprived from sexual exploration. Ignorant of the times, huh? My line, insensitive to the feelings of others. Those are things that Christians are called on a daily basis. Because we because we share the word of God and they say, Well, well, it's because you're one of these things. But I truly believe that if they knew a Christian who was a follower of Christ, a true believer, and a true follower of Jesus and of his word, they would see that Christians and this Christ that we worship and that we serve is actually opposite of all those things. Because Jesus actually loves the 
homosexual and loves the one who's gone astray and loves the one who is deprived and loves the one who is lost in sin and loves the one who is ignorant and he's calling all men to himself for salvation if they really knew the word and the people of God and the God that we worship they wouldn't be able to judge us like that but they do but they do there's a scripture that says that the message of the cross is what is foolishness it is foolishness to those who do not believe. I almost feel as if Christians get bullied. They get bullied. We take our Bibles to school. The teacher says, stop taking your Bible to school. You're not allowed to bring that here. Says who? You preach out in a square and they say, please, you cannot preach here. Please take your message somewhere else. Says who? Freedom of speech. And everywhere we go, it's almost as Christians, when they want to stand up for what is true, get bullied. And because of that, my message today is titled, Bullied Free Zone. That when the enemy comes in and the world's ways come to attack us, we say, come and mess, but I'm bully free. The bullying ends today. Diary of a Wimpy Christian? Come on, read my pages. Flip over to the next page, the third page of this chapter, and you're going to recognize that I no longer will bow down to your threats and bow down to your power, for I finally recognize that the Bible says that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Greater is he who's in me. No weapon formed. And we quote all those verses, and the church growls, but do we believe it? Do we believe it? So I'm going to say this today. Today, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe I'm the head and not the tail. Who wants to be the tail? Things don't smell good there. <laughs> I want to be the head and not the tail. I want to be above, not beneath. I want weapons when they come at me, cannons. <gasps> Boom. <clears throat> Bring it. And I want when lies are spoken, they fall on ground and stolen. I want... That's a bad sign. This is the day that me and my wife got married. Uh, everyone say, ah. Oh. I feel stupid. It just broke. All right, here we go. She's not here. That doesn't mean anything. Our marriage is still together. Here we go. But we get bullied. What is one of the first things that, 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 that Christians get bullied in? I, I truly believe this. Number one, if you're taking notes, I, I could have listed 10, 20, 200, but I'm only going to talk about three key things today and then some other points. Here it is. One of the things that we, you and I get bullied in, would you say yes or no? Thumbs up if yes, thumbs down if no. Ready? In our morality, we get bullied. How many of you? Thumbs up, thumbs up. All right, thank you. I would say I agree. In our morality, we get bullied. As Christians, we have morals. Morals that the rest of the world might differ with and from. And they look down on us. But listen, if you read the book of Genesis, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and many other commandments, 613 laws to be exact. And when you study these commandments and you study some of the law, these laws in the Old Testament... You'd be amazed at what God is trying to do with Moses and the children of Israel was to teach the children of Israel that he was calling them to be moral people. Amen? To be honest. To don't take from others. Don't mess around with that person's wife. Don't steal. Don't. Morals. Get your morals in order. Because why? You represent me. And if you represent me, I'm not stealing someone else's wife. And I'm not stealing when someone's not looking. And I'm not lying behind someone's back. So because you are Christ-like in my image, week number two, last week, you what? You are moral people. You represent Jesus. And we get battled with our morality. In Galatians chapter 5 is one of the scriptures I want to go to. I'm going to start off in verse 19. Yeah, that, that's not, okay. In Galatians 5.19, it says this. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, I'm going to read from the NLT today, and then I'll switch it to the ESV and I'll go back and forth. It says the results are very clear. Listen, guys. When you follow the desires of your flesh, of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. What are the results? Here they are. Ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger. So it keeps going. 
selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, a.k.a. if you start studying that, even sexual pleasures among one another, and other sins like these. And he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of lifestyle will not church what? Good. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. You know, that pastor's sending everyone to hell. I'm not. I'm just reading scripture and we're just saying amen to it. But notice what Paul is writing here in Galatians 5. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. What are they, church? You become what? Immoral. You become immoral. What do you mean? Yes. You begin to become sexual impure. You, be, you become to be filled with lust. You're, you, become to, you, you start to build up idols. You become hostile. You, you start to cause division among people. You're selfish. You're filled with anger and jealousy. And you're always bitter with people and fighting with people. You're envious. Some of us go to beer and drugs. Some of us live in wild parties. And there's many other sins. And Paul says, when you decide to live like this, you become immoral. You guys with me? The church is not supposed to be this. The people of Christ are not supposed to be this. Look at verse 22. Ready? Everyone say, but. but. I've, I've, I've said it every time I say, but. but I'm not going to say it today. Here we go. Verse 22. I preached a message one time that was called, God says what? I like. Yeah, I literally. Like, like, verse 22. God, the Holy Spirit is telling me, shut up. Verse 22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Look what the Holy Spirit does now. Check this out. Check this out. The flesh says you're immoral. The Spirit says you're what? You're moral. Watch this. The Holy Spirit produces what? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and, and faithfulness. And it keeps on going. He begins to des describe all these things and gentleness and, and self-control and we say, what is going on? He's like, when you call yourself a Christian and Christ lives in your life, you're no longer immoral with your being. You're now moral, godly, and you stand for truth. You're different now. How many of you could say, I'm different now? And if you're not today, this is what I pray, ready? That you become different today. And here he is in Galatians, and he says, look at verse 24. Watch this, tw 24. He says, those who belong to Christ, who here belongs to Christ? If you don't yet today, you will. Can I get an amen? Mm, we're going to seal that. We're going to seal your salvation today. But watch this. Those who belong to Christ. What church? They have nailed the passions and the desires of their immoral, sinful nature to the cross. And they crucified them there. Immorality among believers is destroyed. You now are godly, moral beings. And God's people say, Amen. When you see this, it's teaching us that the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives. Guys, catch this, catch this, catch this. And if the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit lives in your life, then guess what? Your life is aligned to the Word of God. You know how many Christians say they're filled with the Spirit, but all they do is disobey this Word? Can I give you a hint? They are not filled with the Spirit. They're not. So as your pastor, discern people. Discern the people that say they're filled with all these magical things, but yet they're not lined up with the Word of God. You could keep your magic, but I'll keep the Word. Amen. But now God bless the ones that are filled with the Spirit and filled with His Word. Amen. That's what we're called to be. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the gifts of the Spirit. And also filled with the Word of God. Yeah, man. That's us. That's you. That's me. That's us. And he says, he says the, the, when, it, when, when Galatians 5 is going on, it's, it's dwelling and it lines our lives up to the Word of God. And catch this. And the Word of God is the standard for the believer to live moral, to live loyal, and to live godly. When the Holy Spirit dwells in us, man, you guys got to catch this, ready? You can write this on your notes. When the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we now dwell in this. And when this, man, and when he dwells in us and we dwell in this, we now become moral, loyal, and godly. How do I do it? Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Okay, and what do I do next? Get into his word. What do I do next? Now you show off your loyalty your faithfulness, your godliness, and your morality. Amen, people? 
Look at Mark chapter 7, verse 20, 21, 22, 23. He says this, it says this. The Lord's speaking here, and the Lord says this. And then he added, and he says this. It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, church, here it is, comes evil thoughts, comes sexual immorality. It's almost like it's what? It's almost like it's what? Repeating itself. Comes theft and murder. 22. Comes adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and I love this, ready? And foolishness. And then he says in verse 23, all these vile things. Can I, can I change the word vile there for a second? Here it is. All these immoral things come from within, and they are what? What defile you. What, what is the Lord saying? When I read Mark chapter 7, yes or no, does it not sound like it is defining the times that we live in today? It sounds like, like when I go to work. It sounds like when I go hang out with fam. It sounds like when I go meet people. It sounds like exactly how they're living. They're living with evil thoughts and sexual immorality and theft and murder. Eh, maybe not murder, but murder in their heart. Adultery and greed and wickedness and deceit and lust. How many of you say, man, you're defining my family. You're defining my best friend. You're defining one of my parents. You're defining people all around me. And Jesus is like, exactly. Because the heart of man is wicked. It's immoral. And what comes out of them is wickedness and immorality. Are you guys seeing scripture with me? It sounds like that. And when I read Mark 7, 21, 20, 21, 22, 23, I really don't want to be defined like this. How many of you want to be defined like this? You really do? You want to stand before God one day and say this? Here he comes. Here she comes. Who, Lord? Here it is. Ready? Here comes the sexual, immoral, thieving, murderous, adulterous, greedy, wicked, deceitful, lustful, desires, envious, slandering, prideful, most foolish person, so-and-so, walking up to me. Do you want to be known as that? And the Lord says, then get your heart in order. Get your stuff fixed. See, when we stand for what's moral, I need you guys to catch this as I share my heart with you. Here it is. When we stand for what is moral, people will look down on us. People are going to gossip about us. People are going to spread lies to destroy our testimony. But can I give you an encouragement? Take it with joy. Take it with joy. They're talking bad about me? Yes. Yes. That means something's happening that's right. When I leave here and I get negative news, I try not to get discouraged. You know what I do? Yes. The enemy wants to deflate me, just wants to destroy me. Yes. Philippians 2.15 says this, ready? This is how you live, church. This is how you live. You guys ready for this verse? That you may be what? Blameless, and you're allowed to cheat. Blameless and innocent children of God. Watch what he says. Without blemish in the midst of a crooked, perverse, twisted generation among whom you shine as what, church? Ready? Time out. We're going to take a time out from this service. Time out. Read the verse to yourself. Did you guys catch that? That's who God has called us to be. Will people look down on you? Will people talk bad about you? Will people mock you? Will people say things? Will people try to divide you? Give me the answer, church. Yes, but you stand for what is moral. You stand for what is true. Because if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you dwell in the Word, and the Word is making you what? Moral, loyal, and what? Godly. Diary of a wimpy Christian. Bring it. But this man right here, no longer will his morality be bullied around anymore. Can I get some people with me? Can I get some people? Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Lord, you made us moral. Number two, the next one is loyal, loyalty. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, as we look up loyalty, here is the author of Hebrews, and as the author of Hebrews, as the author of Hebrews is writing, he's writing this, 
that there are a people that are surrounding us, listen, and they are witnessing our life of the faith. And as they are witnessing and staring into our lives, the author tells us, as this is going on, you run this race, you live out your Christianity, I love this word, ready? With endurance. Did you guys catch me? In your notes, I'm talking about Hebrews 12.1. What is the author of Hebrews telling the church? Be loyal. Be faithful. Everyone say this. Endure. Be loyal. That's what he's saying. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say, I've had enough of Jesus. I've had enough of these people. I've had enough of this or enough of that. You, you, number one, are moral and you fight for morality. When the enemy comes in or the world's pattern comes to mock you and speak down against you, you stand up against them and say, hey, you could say whatever I want, but I've decided to be moral. And number two, you could try to distract me. You could try to bring me down. You could try to cut off my legs. But know this, number two, I will remain loyal. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Remain loyal. It's difficult today being a Christian. Can I get some Christians that will say yes? It's difficult. It's hard. Let me tell you why it's hard. Because you are the minority. You are not the majority in Miami, Florida, Hialeah, Florida, Broward, Dade County, or wherever you might live. You are just the minority among the majority of sinful, evil people. And because of that, it is hard for us to remain loyal. But the author of Hebrews says what? People are looking at you. People are staring at you. And you stay loyal. Fight for your morality, your moral. You're not like this world. You don't dress like this world. You don't look like this world. You don't talk like this world. You don't act like this world. And you stay loyal to the truth of God. You, you stay, I, I, I just don't say, I'm tired of my wife, so I'm going to be unfaithful. No, you're faithful to the end, infinity and beyond. You are faithful to her. Shut up. Yes, things are rough. Suck it in. Act it out. Work out your salvation. Be faithful. Be loyal. I'm like, sorry, God, I'm going to do it. Church, be loyal. I have a friend, you've probably heard me share this story. If you're a, I've shared this story to my students, but I feel in my, in my heart to share this with you guys. And um, if I repeat myself, forgive me, but maybe there's someone here that needs to hear. I had a friend named Flori, and she's a friend of our families, and we've known Flori since we were young. And, and if you know this family, I'm sorry, but here, here, here goes this. And, and I'll never forget, she, has, uh, she had a, a son, and her husband was, was, was working and whatnot, and, and she brings her son to the car. She was ready to leave. She puts her son in this car seat. I forgot how old he was, but he was old enough to walk and get out of the car if he wants. And as she's putting him in the car seat and snaps everything in, she says, oh my God, I forgot something. Stay right here. I'm going to run to the counter. I'm going to pick up something in the house, and I'm going to come right back. And as she does this, um, it's literally within, within 30 seconds she's doing all this. So she puts the son down. She runs into her house. As she comes back, she recognizes her son is missing. And she's like, oh my God, what happened? My son's gone. And... Um, she freaks out. The door's open. My son's not in the, room, in the car, and she just goes berserk, and she starts screaming. She doesn't know someone stole her son. Her son left the, the car, and she starts knocking in all her neighbor's doors. And she begins to knock, knock, have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? Um, one of the neighbors comes out and tells Flory, uh, we found your son, and he is in the backyard in the pool, and he was floating in my pool. And Flody's son was dead in the backyard of one of her neighbors. This is a friend of ours. Let me explain something to you. This is a Christian family. She was a leader of her church. She was a leader of her church. And I see things like that and I say, why in the heck did that happen? Like, God, why did you take her child? The young kid had his whole life to live. And you might be here and say, God, why did you give me this problem? Why did you give me this issue? Why did you let this happen to my family? Why did you let... And here is this lady that I could say, wow, I saw it with my own eyes. I don't know about you, but I say, God, don't ever test me in that way. Because I don't want to be tested in that way. But she was tested. Her husband was tested. They lost their son. That's difficult because now what do you do as a Christian? God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Yeah? Even when they take away my son. See, I don't understand how to feel for her. 
I felt mad, I felt hurt, I felt pain, I felt anger, I felt all these weird emotions, but I'll never forget one of the most amazing things that I ever experienced. I went to the service of her child, and they had it at their church, bigger church than this, and people were there, and it was filling up. They had overflow rooms because of how packed it was, and she was in the front row with her family, and I remember looking at them, and they had a little acoustic worship, one guy playing and worshiping, and I remember them doing this and worshiping God just days after her son was taken from her. The place is packed, and I'll never forget, she comes up, she grabs a mic and she begins to testify of how good her God is and I'm in the room saying how in the world is she doing this and I can't explain that to you but all I could tell you is that when the spirit of God is in you and you really know God you start saying things like Job that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away but blessed be the name of the Lord forever and I don't know what you're going through and what you're experiencing through death or through life but I'm gonna tell you something that even in the darkest times God is still faithful God is still loyal and has believed of Christ we're not wimpy but we're bold we're strong because one of our greatest testimonies like I saw in my friend Flory was that even through one of the darkest times of her life death of her child she remained loyal and I don't understand that and I don't know if any of you do here I'm sure some of you have some stories that you do but man does she remain loyal man does she stay faithful Think about what others told her. Oh, that's the God you serve? <laughs> he did that to you? Think about what she heard. Think about the lies that people told her. Hey, you still go to church after your son was taken? It's the popular thing to say. It's the popular thing to do. Man, I'm telling you today. How did she do this? I don't know, but she stayed loyal. How are you going to do it? I don't know, but you stay loyal. How did Job do it? He had seven children. He had riches. He had everything that you could, a man could ask for. And God, from one day to another, destroys his whole life, livelihood. And he's filled with boils. His three best friends come and say, oh, you surely sinned. You surely stink. And he's like, you guys stink. Get out of here. His wife comes up to him and says, uh, Job, curse God and die. And Job is like, woman, what is wrong with you? And Job, in the midst of his darkest time, when seven children died, when his house is destroyed when all his bank account is wiped away he says that phrase that I share with you he says the Lord gives the Lord takes but nothing can shake me because blessed be the name of the Lord forever man we're moral and we're loyal we don't break we become stronger when trials come we don't break we become stronger can the people of God say amen to that some of us, it's the popular thing. Well, if I'm tired of my spouse, then I'll just divorce them. That's what the world is saying. There's still time for a new one. If your job doesn't comply with me and my demand, then I'm just going to give my two weeks. Someone else will hire me. If this pastor or this church don't recognize me, then I'll just go. I'll just quit. There are many other churches, many other pastors I can go to. If God doesn't answer my prayer, I'll just give up. I'll try something else. He's not real because why would he do this? Why will he let this happen to me? He would not give me what I asked for. Isn't that, that the voice of today? But James chapter 1 verse 12, here it is. It says what? As it comes up on the screen, watch this. Blessed is the man who what? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast, who remains loyal, who perseveres under misfortunes, under trials. He holds fast to the faith of Christ. Blessed be that man. For when he has been approved, he will receive the what, church? The crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Hey, church, stay loyal. Why should I stay loyal? Because there is a crown, there is a glory, there is a Christ that you are getting to, church. Stay loyal, stay moral. You're not wimpy. Stay bold. Have a voice. Declare his name. Man, it's time that we stand up. Germany, they shut up their mouths. Guess what happened? Hitler and his Nazi regime went in there, took over the churches, took over all Christianity, and they became a communist country. It's not going to happen in Miami. It's not going to happen in my family. It's not going to happen in my marriage. It's not going to happen in my job. It's not going to happen to my man. I'm going to stand bold. I'm going to fight for what is true. I'm going to declare my morality, and I'm going to remain loyal. It's time that Christians wake up. It's time that we become bold. Man, inject something into your veins. Inject some scripture. Inject some of the spirit in you. But become bold already. Become strong already. That when there are things in your life that are immoral, you stand for what is moral. When there are things around you that are crumbling because people are unfaithful, you show them what faithfulness is. You are loyal, church. 
You are loyal. Pick someone up. Hey, come on. We're faithful. Loyal. Let's go. Get up. Come on. Come on. Number three. My third point for today is this. Godliness. Godliness. People will bully us when it comes to godliness. No longer will I be bullied when it comes to my godliness. You could say whatever you want about my godliness. You could say whatever you want because I go to church. I don't know how many times a week. You could say whatever I say because I wake up a little bit earlier and I decide to pray and read the Bible. I share with you guys many times. I work in a Christian organization. One of the leaders of this Christian organization. I walk in. I'm all pumped up at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. Like, what's wrong with you? I just had 5 a.m. prayer at my church. The voice of that man looks at me and he says whoa I feel sorry for you I looked at him I said what you feel sorry for me because I woke up at 5 in the morning and I saw God I feel sorry for you that you feel sorry for me because it shows me that you don't know my God hey listen church you fight for what is godly you stand for what is godly man you you act out on what is godly I want to read a scripture because that's the best thing I could do Titus chapter 2 verse 11 12 and 13 for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And it has taught us that deny oh man, this is good. It has taught us to deny what? It has taught us to deny ungodliness, to deny worldly loss. And look what he says next. You should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the what? Today. In this present age, looking for the blessed hope and for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, church, did you catch this verse? You stay godly. Bully me all you want, Satan. Bully me all you want, friends. Bully me all you want, family. But I will remain godly. It's easy to live the way we once did before we came to Christ. Why is it easy? Rigo, Pastor Rigo, why is it easy? Because everyone is doing it. Everyone is doing it. Everyone is filled with and fulfill the worldly loss. Everyone is doing it. Everyone is living drunk on sin or off sin. Everyone is self-righteous and ungodly. Just look around, stare at people, examine people. But here we have Titus, Paul writing to Titus. And Paul teaches us in this letter to Titus. Church, you've received the grace of God. How many of you have received the grace of God? We just did an eight-week series on it. If you didn't receive it those eight weeks, I don't know to tell you, but... We've received the grace of God, and because you received the grace of God, watch what he says. That grace has now transformed us to what? To live Godly. Grace, in Romans 6, you do not continue to sin so that grace could abound, but because grace has abounded, you now live in godliness, church. I don't live like I used to. We're godly people. Everyone will not agree with you, including your friends, including your family, including close people by you. They will tell you things like this. Ready? You mean to tell me that you won't do that because you're a Christian? And your answer would be what? Yes, I'm godly. They will tell you things like, like this, you don't agree with that kind of lifestyle or that kind of relationship, and you're going to say what? Yes, because I'm what? I'm godly. You mean you've chosen not to watch that kind of stuff, hear that kind of stuff, and you're going to say what? Yes, because I'm godly. Yes, because I'm godly. And I'm going to paraphrase an awesome story. I'm going to go back from last week. I'm almost ending, so I'm not ending yet, so hold on. In Daniel chapter 6, we know the story of Daniel, as I'm going to get ready soon, in a couple minutes, to wrap this up. And in Daniel chapter 6, something amazing happens. You heard me talk about this last week. And what happens in Daniel 6? The king says, from now on, this is how you pray, this is how you worship, this is how we're going to do things. And Daniel says, not me. Daniel goes home. He wasn't allowed to pray to anyone before. And uh, anyone, no God, no God, only, only the king. And he says, not me. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm not going to be bullied around anymore. So he goes to his room like it was accustomed to him, and he gets on his knees, and he begins to pray to his God. And as he begins to pray to his God three times like it was custom to his days, but there was guys in his window looking in, and they caught Daniel, and they go to tell the king, hey, hey, you know Daniel, the one that you favored and you put in high position to rule over this area? And he's like, yeah, what about him? I love him. He's like, yeah, we caught him three times praying to his God and not you. And he's like, oh, my God, bring him to me. Daniel chapter 6 
In verse 3, it says this. It says that Daniel was distinguished. He distinguished himself among everyone else. Let me tell you why. Check this out. It says because there was an excellent spirit inside Daniel. Can I tell you what that word excellent means? It means this. It means extraordinary. Church, listen. If you are in Christ, you're no longer bullied around. Why? Because you're different. You're extraordinary. You're a little bit different than everyone else, man. There's a different spirit. There's an excellent spirit in the believers. It was in him. And they wanted to find some charge against Daniel. But look what it says next. It says that there was no charge because Daniel remained faithful to his God. There was no charge against Daniel. Can you imagine being killed because you're praying? Kill the murderer. Kill the rapist. Kill the thief. But you're going to kill me for praying? They couldn't find a charge against him. There was no error, it says in verse 4, or fault found in him. And it says that the only error in verse 5, the only fault that they were ever to find in him was this. Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel, they said, is will be in connection with the rules of his religion if we blame him from serving God. Hey, listen, if anyone is going to bully me and talk bad about me, let it be about this. Not that I'm a gossiper, not that I'm a liar, not that I'm immoral, not that I'm a lustful man, not that I'm an idolater, not that I'm a person that uses curse not languages not that i'm perverted but that man that man serves and lives for god accuse me of that accuse us of that what do we got to do the spirit is in you what do you do now you remain moral you remain loyal and you remain what godly godly and then in chapter six if you study the rest of this chapter the king was like oh my god i gotta check up on daniel i loved him i can't believe i killed him and he runs to the lion's den where he threw him to kill him. Hey, listen, we're going to Metro Zoo. You better believe you're not going to tell me, hey, pastor, you want to test out your faith? Jump over the fence, see if the lions do anything to you. I'm going to be like, no, I'm not Daniel. I'm Regal. But Daniel, they threw him over the fence. The lions started to lick their lips and says, oh, you're done. And as soon as they were going to attack him, I don't know what happened. The Spirit of God, the angels of God went and shut the lion's mouth. When the king goes, Daniel, Daniel, are you dead? I killed you. And Daniel stands up and he says, oh, king, favored king, I'm still here. And, and, and I'm just summarizing. And he says, roll it out. Roll out that tomb. Get Daniel out of the den. And as he gets out, he says, I'm erasing my old decrees. And here it is. From now on, let the whole nation worship the God of Daniel. Can I tell you what just happened? One man changed the world around him. One man. And because of that, I call up Daniel up to the stage. <laughs> His name is Daniel. That's funny. And we're going to wrap this up and we're going to end. But one man changed the world around him. He didn't have to travel on a plane to the ends of the earth. He didn't have to even go and, and did you notice he didn't have to go and lay hands on the sick. Do that. Go to the end of the earth if you have to. But notice what Daniel did. He said, bully free zone, here I am. You could bully me all you want. You could speak about me all you want. You could throw me to whatever lines then you want. But as long as I'm alive, I'm going to never ever stop serving my God. And he stood up for what is true. He stayed what? He stayed moral. He did not bow down to any other image. He stayed moral. Number two, he stayed loyal. He went back like it was custom of his days in his loyalty to pray to God. And number three, he stayed godly and he proclaimed that God still reigns even in the den. I'm telling you today that all you really need to do with the world around you is stand in your morality don't let them talk bad about you stand in your loyalty don't let them bring your loyalty down and stand in your godliness don't let this world bring you down anymore you're different church you're no longer a wimpy christian the pages have been opened you are bold for jesus because the spirit of christ is in you spirit of christ is in you when i first started this ministry you want to know what the hardest part of my ministry was to stand in a room and counsel people that have lived longer than me. It was my insecurity as a pastor. Ask my wife. Hated it. Hated it. When I had to meet with someone that was 40, 50, or 60, I was like, because when we started this church, I broke every church plant rule. Watch this. I wasn't even married yet. I know, right? Don't leave the church just because I'm married now with a kid. Relax. But, and one of my biggest fears, my insecurities was, how do I meet with people that are married? when I don't know what marriage is? How do I meet with people with children 
when I don't know what children is. And I would, <laughs> I would sit before these people and I, under the, I would hold the table and I would almost shake. I'm like, I'm their pastor, I gotta be bold. It was my biggest insecurity, pastoring people older than me. People that have been married longer, more children and have experienced life. It was hard. God saw that and one day I had to come before God and say, God, I need to deal with this. If not, I can't pastor anymore. I started meeting other pastors. Pastors began to speak down about our ministry here at New Life. Oh, you meet where? You have how many members? You started where? You have no money? You're not full time? And all those things are like, oh God, I'm so insecure. My new life, we love God, love people, but I'm so insecure. So one time I was with God alone. And God just did something in my spirit. He said, Rico, what did I call you for? Who did I call you to be? Man, I, I, and I, and I, I'm, I'll be honored the day I can stand before the president. But I, I, when I say this, I'm not, I'm not lying. I can stand before the president today. And if I get a chance, I'll preach Jesus to him. Something happened to me. I can't tell you. It's supernatural. I could stand among men that have been in ministry for years, men that have planted churches all throughout, and here I am with my one little church, but I know who Christ called me to be, and I'm bold, and I'm strong in that, and I'm willing to face any man. But I'm going to make a point. Why do I share that story? Because it wasn't always like that. Ask my wife, some of my biggest fears, I'll cry at the house, I don't want a pastor, what's wrong? I had a meeting with this member, and they started to counsel me in my meeting. I was a mess, insecure. But I promise you this. I started opening myself up to the Spirit of God. God gave me boldness, and now I know who I am. Whether you have five children, I just have one of six months. I'm going to tell you how to raise your five children because I know the Word of God. I've been married for five years. You've been married for 50 years. Good. I'm going to tell you how you should live in your marriage because I know Jesus. It's time to stand. It's time to be bold. Daniel was young, stood before a king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were young, stood before a king. David was young, was anointed king. I'm telling you today, man, be bold. No more will the enemy bully me in my insecurities. I solemnly urge you, 2 Timothy, verse 1-7. Sorry. He says, God doesn't want us to be shy with the gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. God did not give us a spirit of fear. What does it say? But of power, of love, of what, church? That's who we are. 2 Timothy 4, 1-5, NLT version says this. I urge you in the presence of God, Christ Jesus. Someday he will judge the living and the dead. And when he appears, he will set up his kingdoms. Look what he says. But you, church, everyone say me. You preach the word of God. You be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, whether you're in season or out of season. You patiently correct, you rebuke, and you encourage your people with good teaching. You stand for what is true, church. You're not a wimp. Tired of being bullied. I'm tired of you guys being bullied. Verse 3, for a time is coming where people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Sound doctrine. I'm tired of people opening up their Bibles and teaching this wacky, stupid stuff. That's not our Jesus, man. You don't got to drink a special oil and sleep on a special handkerchief to get healed. You need to understand what the blood of Christ has done, what Calvary has done, and who Jesus is. And all healing is complete in Him. Gosh. Tired of this stuff. I'm tired of churches with gold dust falling from the AC and then they walk up and there's rings and, and, and there's diamonds. I don't want to go to God to receive gold dust and to receive diamonds. I know God because His Word of God shows me. I don't need it to rain gold. I don't need my husband or my wife to show up. I don't need anything to happen in my life. I know God because the Word of God shows me who God is. That's who we are. But there's people today that... They're wishy-washy. They're passed to and fro. They don't listen to wholesome teaching. It says they follow their own desires. They look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want them to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. But you, church, everyone say me. But you, you're not them. In new life, you don't have itchy ears. Not here, man. Not here. Because the true children of God, you, you keep a clear mind 
in every situation you're not afraid and you're not even afraid of suffering for the Lord you work and you work at telling others the good news and you fully carry out your ministry that God has given you reach your world and I end with Matthew 10 so everyone who acknowledges me Jesus says before men I also will acknowledge them before my father who is in heaven whoever denies me before men listen church I'm also I also will deny them before my father who is in heaven I end with this question a hundred years from today hundred years from today there will be only one choice that will matter to you and here it is it's this did I stand for Christ did I stand for Christ who are you today you gonna give up you gonna be unfaithful You're going to be ungodly? Really? Everyone else is doing that. It's boring. You're going to have a wife and a girlfriend on the side? That's boring. Everyone does that. You're going to steal to get a little bit more richer? You're going to lie to your taxes? Boring. Everyone does that. You're going to gossip? Welcome to my world. Everyone does that. How about this? Ready? I'm bully free. When the enemy comes in like a flood... I will lift up a standard against them. I will remain moral. I will remain loyal. I will stay godly. Head, not the tail. Above, not beneath. Bully free. Mess with me all you want. I know what he says about me. And what he says about you has more power than what anyone else can say about you. So bring it. Oh, you said that about me? Give me five minutes to text you back because I'm going to tell you what God says about me. Now, whose word matters? Bully free. Take it to the world. Make some noise. That's what I wanted to title my message. Make some noise, but it sounded like proclamation. Make some noise. Make some noise in your morality, in your loyalty, and in your godliness. Make some noise. Don't be run over any longer. Stand up. Stand up to the Pharisees. Jesus did. Stand up to sin. Jesus did. Stand up to the cross. Jesus did. Man, let's rock my... Hey, let's rock Miami. Whatever, I don't live in Miami. Let's rock... I don't know where you live. Let's rock it. Hialeah, let's rock it. I consider highly of Miami. I'm sorry. Let's rock Broward, Fort Lauderdale, Weston, Sunrise, Dade County. Let's touch the world. Amen. Bully free. Can you stand with me?